Welcome to week two of the Contender Series Breakdowns. It's your boy Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMA LOTN. It is great to finally be back on camera with you guys, finally getting over the whole COVID situation. I feel 99% better every now and then. I get a little bit of phlegm in the throat, but other than that, everything is good to go. And I'm very happy to finally get back on camera, like I said, get the bells and whistles back on the podcast, like the way you guys enjoy. But one thing I did notice during this time is that you guys seem to enjoy a little bit of the condensed version of the podcast rather than going so in-depth with every single matchup. I will start doing that with the UFC uh, breakdowns as I uh, record the next episode tomorrow for UFC 292, but it'll also allow me to get through my editing a little bit quicker as well, which will be very helpful for my time management skills that I'm trying to perfect so I'm not always working 100% of the time. So I appreciate everybody that's been bearing with your boy throughout this whole uh, past two weeks, but we're back to normal and we're back on schedule, so I'm very happy about that. One thing that I'm hoping that we can turn around is the abysmal start that we had to the contender series last week as we go one and four on predictions not the way i wanted to go and also on the track plays as well very horrible the only one that i ended up hitting was peyton talbot so uh unfortunate start to the contender series but we still got nine more weeks to go so i'm very happy that we can bounce right back the following week and not to mention we bounced back this past weekend with bellator and ufc as well so very happy about that but let's get right back on track before jumping into the podcast i do want to plug the mm fight archive if you do your own research for the contender series why are you not already on the fight archive that's why close to 50 members have already signed up and they are more than happy with the information and links that they are getting for every single fighter upcoming on these contender series fights not just the contender series but the lfa aca ksw uh cage warriors fury fc all those promotions are covered on the fight archive as well i know a lot of the handicappers who are in the space are on the fight archive and they're more than happy with the service that they are getting so if you do your own research and want to know more about these fighters before they step in the cage check out the mma fight archive to get the largest collection of direct links to past fights for a lot of these fighters and not only are they available for you when they're coming up to fight but also whenever you want to uh, check up on them and if anybody doesn't have a fight coming up you can check up on the fight archive search up their name and see their full profile available for you guys as well there's a reason that one of the main commentators on the contender series uses this service every single week and is able to provide you guys with the best information possible to make it even easier when you guys are listening to them commentating the fights seven day free trial for you to check it out for free link in the description below check it out the contender series is the best time to use the service and you'll see why just by checking the free trial out all right let's get right into the breakdowns for the five fights that we got for week two of the contender series First fight up, Cameron Smotherman going up against, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher these names, I apologize, uh, Shara Lampos uh, Gregorio, uh, who's uh, coming off of the CFF scene, uh, he's more so on the northeast uh, regional scene, he just picked up the Combat FC title as well, en route to his contender series spot, uh, on the flip side with Smotherman, he's the Fury FC champion, uh, he picked that up in his last matchup over Peter Caballero, where he was able to finish him in the opening round of their matchup, we'll start off on the Smotherman side, who's a striker, slick boxer, and he's often talked about the 
the fact that he doesn't like grappling at all. That's why opponents in the past have been able to take him to the ground and grind him out. However, he knows he needs to advance that aspect of his game to if he wants to make it to the higher levels of the game and even eventually make it to the UFC, which is what he's hoping to do this week. Uh, I see a little bit of improvements in his takedown defense and his ability to get off the cage and get back to his striking. What I like about his striking the most is the fact that he uses a lot of feints to set up traps so that he can let go with his pinpoint striking and eventually knock out his opponents. He's getting better and I wasn't originally impressed with him, but I really like from what I saw in his last matchup and his ability to implement that striking game. On the flip side with Gregorio, like I said, he's coming from the CFFC uh, ring of combat and combat FC scene where he hasn't really had the best run in my opinion he's come up short against guys like christian rodriguez which is not a bad spot either but also josh smith who's a guy who was eight and six going into that uh, fight and utilized a grapple heavy approach to get his hand raised gregorio is a flashy kickboxer who likes to use flashy kicks like i said from distance to try to hurt his opponents but he also tries implementing a grapple heavy approach although he doesn't do it with the most success he trains out of the law mma team which is longo and weidman but i don't know how much weidman is around there nowadays since he moved to uh north carolina or South Carolina over the last couple of years to start training with uh, Wonderboy Thompson, who I believe is his, uh, his brother-in-law through their, I'm not sure how, but they're somehow related. Uh, regardless, Gregorio uh, doesn't ut- utilize his wrestling that effectively, in my, in my opinion. He likes to use his leg kicks to the legs or even flashy kicks to the head, uh, which is why I'm actually going to lean with the Smotherman side here. I'm not overly impressed with him, and I didn't really like the opener at minus 245 on him, but he's sitting closer to the minus 165 range uh, at the time of this recording. Um, I feel like his boxing style is going to be a little bit too much for Gregorio to keep up with. I feel like he'll be able to walk down Gregorio. And if he has made the improvements that he has in his takedown defense, Smotherman that I'm talking about, he should be able to keep this fight upright and really put the hurting on Gregorio with his hands and then eventually find the knockout in the latter half of this matchup. Gregorio does not do well when fighters go first and back him up with punches. And that's exactly what he's going to be getting here with Smotherman. So as long as Smotherman can keep this fight upright, he should be able to have the advantage and from there he should be able to find the knockout minus 165 is a little bit more of my liking minus 245 was too wide so if you want to take the shot on smotherman i don't blame you for that next up we got uh paulo hanato jr going up against Ibo aslan in a light heavyweight matchup uh, originally this fight was a pick but now we're seeing closer to minus 160 for the Ibo aslan side now both these guys are similar in the fact that they go out there and they get early finishes if fights start to get prolonged and go past that first round they normally end up coming up on the short end of the stick on the Paulo Hanato side, he actually got his opportunity on short notice last year when he went up against Jamal Pogues and got absolutely handled in the striking round over 15 minutes. Paulo Hanato was a guy that used to be a welterweight back in 2017, took off over four years and came back as a heavyweight on the regional scene, and he didn't do it the Jake Collier way of it, just absolutely bulking up on McDonald's and Burger King, but more so a pos- like putting on solid strength and looking decent while doing so. However, his level of competition since the contender series, very low level. He's just going out there there and smashing these guys who have very poor records and are pretty much older as well. But the same thing can be said for Ibo Aslan, who took his lone defeat to now UFC fighter Anton Tukali on the regional scene in a fight where he was absolutely obliterating him on the feet for about six minutes until he started to gas out. Tukali was able to get a takedown and quickly find a rear naked choke. It's obvious what both these guys are good at. 
striking and getting their opponents out of there early but if they're unable to they start to fall off so if this fight creeps into the second round it's going to look very ugly but i think it will be hanato who will have the advantage if this fight goes late However, I fully expect Ibo Aslan to be the faster, more explosive, and more powerful fighter in the early goings of this matchup, and that should be able to um, nullify the kick, technical kickboxing um, advantage that Hanato might have in this spot. But I don't want to get tied to a money line spot on either of these guys. What I would be looking to target would be the under one and a half. I'm expecting an explosion early in this matchup, and it kind of reminds me of when Claudio Hobero went up against Ivan Valenzuela on the Contender Series. I believe that was last season and it ended up in an early knockout that's what i'm expecting here and i'm expecting it to come for the more from the more athletic and explosive fighter which is Ibo aslan but good lord can i not wait to fade this guy when he makes it to the ufc give me aslan by first round knockout but the under one and a half is what i would lean on most in the spot next up we're going to be talking about a featherweight matchup, and this one is probably the one that I am most excited about on the entire card. Haider Emil, actually, I should say second most excited. The main event is fire. We'll talk about that very shortly. Uh, Haider Emil, 7-0, going up against Emra Sonmez, who's coming in with a 14-4 record. Uh, starting off on the Haider Emil side, he is a product of the Scrap Pack the El Nino Training Center. And if that name sounds familiar, all those or those monikers sound familiar, that's because it's tied to Gilbert Melendez, which is hilarious because as you're watching Hyder Emil go through his LFA career, you see Gilbert Melendez doing the commentating for a couple of his fights and he's doing his best to not stay or to not be um, biased by any means. Um, this guy is a warrior. He loves to move forward, put the pressure on his opponents and throwing combinations. He has a very good uh, grappling game as well. And I'm talking about offensively and defensively. Very rarely do you ever see him settle for a bad position, allowing him to eventually get back on top, get back to his striking and putting the pressure on his opponents. I've seen him put him very bad positions and he stayed very calm, showing the poise of a veteran to wade out a very deep rear naked choke that his opponents had, doing the right things in terms of attacking the hands and then tucking his chin and eventually biting his time to eventually get out of that position and put the hurting back on his opponent he is very good and that's one thing i really like seeing about fighters is seeing them face adversity on the regional scene and getting through it and making the comeback and successfully getting their hand raised before making it to the contender series or even making it to the ufc and facing tougher guys that are going to give them tougher competition and more resistance when they actually step foot in the cage but Hyder emil has seen most of it on the regional scene and he's passed it with flying colors in my opinion his opponent, Emra, comes from the cage warrior scene as he trains out of the Great Britain top team, which is headed by former UFC fighter Brad Pickett. Sanmaz shows off a very relentless wrestling game. However, his striking is mainly compromised of a lot of flashy kicks. He comes from a little bit of a karate background, if I'm not mistaken, but the majority of his success comes when he's able to dr or grind his opponents to the mat and grind them out from that top position. His wrestling pretty good his jiu-jitsu could use a little bit of work and that's where he ended up falling two times in the cage warrior scene where guys were able to get the better of him in those positions and control him throughout those spots or eventually get a rear naked choke like his second opponent was able to do so since his two-fight losing streak, he's on a three-fight winning streak right now, but two of those wins came over the same opponent within the span of two months, and he finished them both times around. Don't completely understand the reasoning behind that, but he was able to get it done. I suspect in this matchup against Hyder Emil that he's going to struggle with the forward pressure and takedown defense and the 
willingness to not accept a bad position from Haider Emil, and that will allow Emil to keep the pressure on Sanmez and eventually maybe find the finish in the latter half of this matchup or even win it by decision. But I love the spot on him at minus 165. I know people are going to be gaga over the wrestle-heavy approach from Sanmez, but I really like the the takedown defense and the get-ups of Hyder Emil, who even when he gets put on his back, he does a great job immediately of working back to his feet and then putting the pressure on his opponents. That's what I'm expecting him to do, do here against Sunmez, and I think that eventually gives us a second or third round TKO for Hyder Emil. So give me him, and he's probably the spot that I like the most on this entire card, if I'm being honest. Next up, we got a women's strawweight matchup between two Brazilians, one of them, Eduardo, Eduarda Mora, going up against Janaina Silva. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus uh, pa, 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 plus 110 for Silva, minus 140 for Mara. Now, Mara, her nickname is Ronda. And that's obviously because she likes to take fights to the ground and look for finishes immediately. She's very active off of her back in terms of looking for arm bars and submissions. But even when she's in that top position, she doesn't often look to lay and pray. She's always looking to advance to a dominant position and put her opponents away. The only qualm that I have with her is the fact that there's a lack of tape available. A lot of the uh, promotions that she's fought for in the past are these lower level regional shows in the Brazilian scene, which don't really have quality access to their footage um so all i've really seen is her taking fights to the ground immediately and doing big damage from on top so i really wonder what a striking game is like which i have not seen any of what i've seen from janene silva is a hard-nosed striking approach she kind of reminds me of a denise gomez in a fighter that likes to crash the pocket utilize big strikes and put the hurting on her opponents but i've also seen her utilize an offensive grappling game where she's able to do great work from on top and do some good damage and eventually put her opponents away as well my question comes how is she going to deal with the grapple heavy approach of moro who looks to be a strong fighter as well but it looks like Silva is like a, a, a fire hydrant. She's very strong. She's very tough to deal with in the clinch situations. And that, in my opinion, should allow her to keep this fight in the striking realm, which is where I believe she'll have the advantage. You know, just from the lack of tape that I've seen on Mora and how quickly she wants to take fights to the ground leads me to believe that she doesn't have much of a striking game. So I'm going to have to lean ever so slightly with a dog here in Silva as I think that she has faced tougher competition and she's also showcased a, a solid all-around game whereas i've only seen one dimension to mora's game which we know is only going to work so long for certain types of fighters maybe mora could end up being this uh raul rosas jr fighter who can go out there and just grapple the first couple of opponents that she fights to solid success but then when she fights a christian rodriguez type fighter it's going to end up coming up short is janene silva going to be that fighter for her possibly so I'm going to take the small shot on the underdog here, but it's very tough to have a lot of confidence considering the lack of actual tape on uh, Eduarda Mora. All right, that brings us to the main event, which is an absolute blasphemy that the, either of these guys have to go through the contender series considering that we have uh, Abdul Al-Sawadi, who's the current Fury FC uh, lightweight champion. And on the flip side, George Hardwick is the current Cage Warriors lightweight champion. A very fun fight here between a striker versus a grappler. Now we'll start off on the Al Sawadi side, who trains out of Fortis MMA, does a great job in terms of crashing the pocket with his tank-like features and dragging fights to the ground. He's a brand
brown belt in BJJ, something that he obtained earlier this year, but he's very good when he gets fighters to the ground with his control, ability to establish that dominant position and just do good work from on top. He doesn't mind grinding fighters out over 15 minutes if he needs to, uh, and his striking game is very much limited to wide-winging hooks, but he utilizes it very well to crash that pocket and get the fight to the ground. He's been getting great training in over at Fortis MMA, especially with Kyle Crutchmer, who's a high-level wrestler himself, and I'm sure he's learned a thing or two in terms of high-level uh, uh, entries on takedowns and how to complete them and then eventually how to assert his dominance from that top position, something he's already done very effectively throughout his career. On the flip side for George Hardwick, I like to refer to him as similar to a Billy Q type of fighter, uh, Billy Quarantillo, but without the grapple-heavy approach. He more so utilizes his striking, his forward movement, his feints, and his ability to put combinations together and then eventually find the chin of his opponents late and putting them down. He's had a couple body shot finishes as well, which have been very impressive to watch and very fun to watch throughout his career, but I feel like he's a little bit too hittable and he hasn't fought anybody that's going to grapple him to the level that El Sawadi will. So when I saw that the odds were in that minus 350 range for Hardwick I think it was more so for the fact that people have seen Hardwick going on this long winning streak that he's currently on and doing it in fan fashion but he's not really fighting anybody that's going to push him the way that El Swati will in that grappling and in that wrestling so I have to take a little bit of even a half unit shot here on the El Swati side considering at plus 265 you're getting a very high level grappler and wrestler who could absolutely control this fight for the majority of this and really wear on the gas tank of uh, George Hardwick Again, Hardwick has a solid enough gas tank, but I don't know how he's going to fare against somebody that's going to put him through a wrestling grind the way that Salwadi did. Salwadi, in his last matchup, he had to go a hard 25 minutes and it seemed like it was starting to slow down in the fourth and fifth round. But luckily, he only has to do it for three rounds here, and I think he can do it solid enough for 10 minutes and then survive that third round against Hardwick and pick up the decision victory in the spot. So I think we can get a big underdog in the main event here on the El Sawadi side. And I don't know if it will be a contract-worthy performance, but I think that he will do a good enough job in terms of asserting that dominant position, getting enough control time and damage from that top position, and eventually getting the win by decision. So there you guys go. Breakdowns on all five fights for this Contender Series Week 2 card. Uh, tomorrow, I will be back for the uh, UFC 292 full card breakdown. And then we are back on schedule, baby. I'm very happy to be back to full health and dropping this content for you guys on schedule as I always do. And uh, yeah, again, make sure you check out the Fight Archive if you'd like to do your own research. Link for that is in the description below. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And I'll see you guys again tomorrow for the Lockcast. Peace.